Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to the Qalam Podcast. You're listening to the series on the sufficient answer, the cures for spiritual sicknesses delivered by Sheikh Mikael Smith. In this series, Sheikh Mikael will be covering a beautiful book authored by Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala titled Al-Jawab Al-Kafi in which he not only addresses the very common yet extremely difficult issues of spirituality, but he also addresses the philosophical crises that people suffer through. Sheikh Mikail will lead us through this book and bring forth very beautiful and beneficial discussions. So listen in, share with family and friends, and if you are benefiting from Qalam and everything that we provide here at the podcast and beyond, then please be a part of this solution, be a part of this project of educating all of humanity by going to supportqalam.com, support Qalam yourself, and also share the link with family and friends. And now on to the lesson. All right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us beneficial knowledge uh, from his Quran, from the Sunnah of his beloved Prophet, and from the legacy of the scholarship that has preceded us. Uh, we ask for such knowledge that will actually change our hearts and be a, a means for us to become better believers and better servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and that is our intention, inshallah ta'ala. Um, so it's important that we begin every action by rem- reminding ourselves of that intention because it gives us that courage to and that, that drive behind the action, inshallah ta'ala. So, so um, today, inshallah ta'ala, we're continuing with our study, our fourth class of Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi rahimahullah, um, his book Al-Jawab al-Kafi. Um, and we all know, uh, as we were studying from the beginning, that the reason that he wrote this book was to help a person who asked one question, and the question was, what do you say about to a person who's stuck in some type of sin, and they know that this sin, if they keep doing it, will completely destroy their dunya and their akhirah. They know that. But every time they try to get out of it, they fall deeper back into it. Um, so what do you say? What is the way for them to get out of it? How do they take away this sin? Um, and Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, for the last uh, 50 pages, has begun to unfold and explain uh, what's necessary for us to understand, or this person to understand, in order to remove uh, that sin. And the first thing that he says now, that we spoke about yesterday, is that there's two things you have to understand. Which is, you have to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created this world in a way where there's sabab and musabib. There's a cause and effect. Uh, certain actions, certain things affect in certain ways. And that's the nature, sunnatullah. That is the way Allah created this dunya, in a way that there's an effect, a cause, and an effect. Um, and he said, uh, he explained to us that Likewise, if you find yourself in an evil situation, if you find yourself in darkness, if you find yourself in, in tough situations, you have to learn and study from the Prophet and from the Quran, what are the means for khair, what are the means for shar? Khair being good, shar being evil. What are the things that bring you to those? And he said that the first place you're going to learn those from is going to be from the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet The whole existence of the Prophet as a nur, as a light, was to illuminate the darkness of things that can negatively affect us. And to also illuminate before us the light, but with light, the things that will benefit, benefit us and bring us khair. So the first thing he says that we need, first thing first, is that we need to actually know, learn, the asbab of khair and shab, the sababs, the causes or means by which you bring khair, and the sabab asbab by which you mean you know uh, or shab comes to you. Um, and I quoted a poem which is Araktu Shar La Lishar Like I learned evil not because I like evil, but rather I learned about evil in order to protect myself. So one of the things he'll talk about are, are things that are negative or evil, but only in order to teach us the effect of those evil things and how they can negatively affect us. 
right? Not in order to take delight in those things, but rather to protect ourselves from those things. So he said that's the first thing you need to know is the asbab of khayr and asbab of shab, to know those things. But then he said there's a deeper problem, and this is the, the problem we finished on uh, last week. He says the other thing you have to protect yourself from is uh, chapter number nine. He titles it Al-Hadr al-Aqal al-Mughalitat al-Nafs ala hadi al-Asbab. That the, even though you may know the things that bring you shab, evil, you may know the things that bring you khayr. Like you recognize that, you realize that, you know, Fajr will bring khair to your day. You see that, right? You recognize reading Quran will bring khair to your day. You recognize the benefits of taking vitamins and things like that. You know it, right? But then when it comes to actually doing it, now sometimes the mind may deceive you, right? The mind may deceive you that, oh, you're not doing it for that reason. And last week we spoke about hasid, for example, and other things. Um, but there's all types of actions that are evil, backbiting is an evil action, right? But when you're involved in it, all of a sudden, all of these self-rationalizations and justifications start to come out from yourself. So what he says is, once you recognize what the evil is, you have to protect yourself, yourself now from rationalizing yourself out of that thing. Protect yourself from rationalizing yourself out of that sin. And the best way to do that is actually, he didn't say this, this is extra. The best way to do that is actually to have someone who you, uh, either a teacher who you admire, or a friend who you're close with that will tell you the real, or an enemy that hates your guts. Huh? How so? Well, if you have a teacher who you admire, a teacher, if they want care for you, they're going to speak the truth. They'll tell you what's real even though you don't like it. They won't just say things to appease you, right? So the second is a friend. So the real friend, not the friend that's just very superficial with you, only tells you what you want to hear, butters you up, you know, makes you feel good. No, a friend that's real with you, that like, yo, you got something right here, bro. You don't really, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying a friend that would say that, bro. <laughs> okay, a friend that would say that. Uh, I wouldn't call you out like that in front of everybody, bro. There's no way I would do that, dude. Okay, sorry, my bad, bro. Okay, all right. So <laughs> I feel so bad now, bro. My bad, yeah. So, um, so like a real friend would do that for you. You know what I'm saying? You walk in in the morning to school or class, and he's like, "Yo, right here, right." The other person's just like, "Yo, what's up, yo? You looking great, yo? You looking good, yo?" And it makes you feel good. I'm looking good, yeah. And then later on, halfway through the day, you realize all the whole day this thing been sitting on my face, and all these people, nobody said anything to me. So who's the one that really wanted khair to me, right? Who's the really wanted... So he says, Imam Ghazali, he says that, you know, a teacher is one person to keep you on track. The idea here is this. Don't just depend on yourself. That's the point. Because when it comes to yourself, you start to now rationalize your way out of what's wrong and what's right. You know what I'm saying? You start. So don't use yourself. So the first thing is a teacher you admire. Second is a friend that will be true to you. A real friend. Not someone that's going to tell you what you want to hear. And last but not least, if you don't have either of these, guess what Imam Ghazali says? Your enemy. Because your enemy speaks to Haq sometimes. Your enemy will tell the truth, not out of care for you, out of, out of spite. But nonetheless, guess what? You got the same thing out of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, nonetheless, you got the same thing out of it. You got that critique that you needed to better yourself. Right? But the main thing that Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi here is saying, and Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, same way, is that that nafs will start to play with you. That nafs will start to rationalize your way out. So he says the second thing we need is to protect yourself from that self-delusion and that mughalata to nafs, he says. Fahimtum? Now he said, now he, he mentioned like a few different ways in which we self-delude. We convince ourselves something that's not true or not reality. We know the asbab of shar, we know the asbab of khair, the means of good, the means of khair, but we ignore them because we justify our way out of it, right? You don't need to go to the masjid, you were at work all day, or whatever, right? Something to get you out of it, right? So then he, one of the big ones, he says, is this, you know, husna dhan, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This husna dhan, uh, where, you know, oh, I'm a sinner, but you know what? Allah is husna, Allah is ghafoor rahim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Where you have, now what is husna dhan? Normally we translate it as what? A good opinion. 
But what did we say last week? A better translation was? Correct, Correct understanding. So like, husna bun with Allah is to truly know Allah as He is, not just to have a quote-unquote good opinion. Now, what he does here is he explains how when you have husna done, when you truly understand Allah, then you'll understand that if I do righteous deeds, then khair is coming to me, and if I do unrighteous deeds, then the effect of that is still going to come as well. Because Allah is adab. Allah is shadil uh, uh, al as well as ghafoor al-Rahim. So now what he says here now after all of that, he says, I want to differentiate, and this is the new lesson for today. He says, I want to differentiate between, for you in between two things. What is correct uh, hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what is called amaniyu or false hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or um, um, I would say almost a, a misplaced hope, a mis. Uh, a misappropriation of hope. So you have raja is the Arabic word, raja, which means to have hope in Allah. And if you read throughout the entire Quran, you find over and over this concept of raja, have raja, have hope, have hope, have hope, because that is a quality of a believer. A believer must have that quality of hope. In fact, in fact, now this is very interesting, how intrinsic it is to our faith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَيْأَسُوا مِنْ إِلَّا No one loses hope. No one loses hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy except those who disbelieve. Now the interesting thing about this is that for the atheists, and, 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 and um, Ustad uh, Hamza Zortes talks about this in his uh, uh, divine reality, that what are some of the implications of atheism? Now, if you believe that everything that happens in the universe is the cause of randomness, pure randomness, can you actually have hope for better in the future? If, if, rationally, no. Because everything that happened prior was random. There was no ultimate source organizing things. Pure random. So Hamza Zortes explains, in the, based on other theologians as well, that the implications of atheism are no hope. Because it was all random. So how can I hope for something better tomorrow when today was, the, was just the, uh, you know, like, uh, pull out the, out the deck, whatever you get. If, if today was the effect of randomness, tomorrow is the effect of randomness. And if that's the case, I can't hope for tomorrow. For the atheist, what do you have to hope for? Nothing. Now, for the theist, it's quite the contrary. For the theist, it's quite the contrary because we believe in, in a mudabbin. Someone who arranged for today, for you to be here right now, in this gathering, that was arranged for by so many things that the Khalik, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, put together. So no matter what hardship we're going through, we know that today was the effect of that planning, and tomorrow is the effect of that planning, so I can have hope for tomorrow. So the reason he's talking about hope, and the reason why we find hope all throughout the Qur'an, and when you find people, brothers and sisters, cousins, brothers, uh, siblings that have lost hope, you really got to connect them to Allah. You really got to connect them to Allah. You really got to let them know and, and explain to them who Allah is. Like you're not here by, by chance. It's impossible. The likelihood of this universe and this planet existing by randomness is, is like, it's like scientifically impossible. So there's a creator who loves you. So how can you lose hope? Like you, we are people that our job is to always give back to humanity hope. That is our role on this earth. To always give back to people hope. Because whenever you give hope, you're connecting them back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's extremely important. And whenever you see people losing hope, man, I don't even care no more. That's a clear sign someone's lost hope. And you hear our brother saying that all the time, I don't even care no more, man. Right? I'm done. No, that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. So our role is always to be instilling hope in people. And never ever, if you ever look at any interaction the Prophet ﷺ had with any individual, you will always see he either left them with hope, who had no hope, or he increased their hope. Always. Now, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says, now he wants to differentiate between two things though. Same as last week, which was a false hope, a, 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 a false hope, amaniya, 
and a and true hope. Raja. Raja. Now he says, Wamimma, we're on uh, chapter eleven, inshallah. Al umur alatiya stazimuha al raja. He says, Wamimma yambari an ya'lam. Anna min raja ashay, man raja ashayan, is stazama rajahu talata umur. He says that, listen closely. He's differentiating for us the difference between true hope and an amaniya, false hope. He says, number one thing, there are three things that must be necessary consequences of true hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this is something we should use for ourselves to judge our own level of hope. Number one, ahaduhum, ahaduha, al-muhabba, muhabbata ma yarju. Number one, muhabba of ma yarju, love of the thing you hope for. Love for the thing you hope for. That's the first element of hope that is necessary. If you say, I have hope in Jannah, I have hope to meet the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I have hope to marry such and such, that yastalzimu a muhabba. That necessitates that there should be muhabba for that thing you're looking forward to. Necessary, we understand, that makes perfect sense, right? I hope to go to that college, I have muhabba for it. I hope to get that job, I have some muhabba for it. So that's the first thing, muhabba, love of that thing that you're looking forward to. Number two, خَوْفُهُ مِنْ فَوَاتِهِ Well, when you love something and hope for it, necessarily what's equally present, equally, is fear of losing it. Fear of losing it. And this right here, brothers and sisters, is the secret to your iman. The combination of hope and fear in proper balance. A state of homeostasis of, of what? Hope. And fear. And before we go forward on fear, I want to talk about this. This is not fear of someone on in Texas with a pistol at your head. I said in Texas, right? What happened in New York too, right? Or Jersey. Right? It's not that type of fear of a lion. It's not that fear. You know what kind of fear this is? One Sheikh said to me. You know the fear you have of upsetting your mom? When you're older too. She's not gonna hit you anymore. But the fear you have that I'm gonna upset her. Like I'm not I wanna upset moms, yo. Like my man, scared of his dad. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Right? He's like, I don't care what y'all say. My dad's going to take care of me. That's that Muslim ethics coming out right there. Right? Like, I don't care about no belt. I'm about to get the belt at home. <laughs> the real belt. <laughs> so the, the hope, though, the real hope is... I guess y'all didn't watch it or something. I, don't know. I feel like alone in this one. Anyways, I know you watched it. <laughs> so the khawf though the khawf seriously all jokes aside the khawf is that khawf of upsetting someone you love when we speak of khawf of Allah that's what we're talking about a fear of upsetting someone you love I don't want my mom to see me how embarrassed will I be if she saw me in that and how, how, how I fear for her to see me in a situation like that that's khawf but back to this point we said there's three things what was number one muhabba of the thing that you look forward to Necessary if you have raja, hope in it, hope for it. Number two was khawf of missing it, fear that I'm gonna lose it, I won't have it, right? I, I, I fear that I won't have it. And number three, sa'yuhu fi tahsili bihasbi imkan, exerting oneself to obtain that thing bihasbi imkan, uh, according to your capability. Now what's interesting thing what's interesting is about the word raja. Like the word raja means hope. But if you look up the word raja, it actually means to move. And the interesting thing is that hope can be an extremely big motivator. Hope can be something that moves you if it's proper. And that's what he's saying here that when you have true hope in Allah, then it doesn't paralyze you, it motivates you to action. It motivates you to action. But that hope necessarily, in, like intrinsic in the hope, with the other side, like with heads and tails, with, with the side of hope, equally is what is on the other side? Fear. But it's, the, it's two sides of the same coin. It's two sides of the same coin. So you need them both. And I gave you guys the example of rowing the boat, right? We talked about that, how you need to use both those oars to move forward. So listen to what he says. We got these three things. These things are there for something you hope in. So he says, Wa amma raja, 
He says, if the hope doesn't have these three things in it, love, fear, or a struggle or effort to get that thing, he says, that's not true hope. That's called amani, false hope. Tilka amani. And anywhere in the Quran where Allah uses the word amani, it's a false hope, a, a, a wrong hope, that, a, a misunderstood uh, hope and something that you didn't even work for or earn. I just deserve it. He goes, Raja is something and Amani is something completely different. He says, every Raj is Khaif. What's Raj? Hope. Someone hope. Everyone with hope has fear too. Every, it's, it's intrinsic, as we said before. He says, and a person on a journey, when they get scared, they start to speed up. You know you ever play that thing where you're walking in the dark and you look back and it makes you walk faster, but the faster you walk, the faster you have to... No, that never happens to nobody. Yeah, yeah. Until you just stop. And you play with your mind. And... Okay, people smile. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, so he says, everyone walking on a path, anyone traveling, when that hope comes, they speed up a bit. Because they get scared. So he says... Here's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam. He says, Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he narrates, قال, قال Now look deeply at this hadith. I want you to listen to it, but look deeper past the words. Look deeper at it. He says, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi jannah. The Prophet sallallahu he says, Men Whoever fears, they do adalaj. Now adalaj means to leave at night. Like say you're going on a journey and we're going to leave in the morning, but you're like, now let's just leave tonight. That's called adalaj. So the Prophet said, Men adalaj. The one who's fearful, yo, we might not make it. Yo, let's just leave early. Right? And that's why they say, you know, a friend of mine taught me a very good rule. And I think it should apply to myself more, which was, you know, you know people who are late a lot? They're very optimistic people. And people who are on time, very pessimistic most of the time. Not always. Because they always play into like, you know what? There may be traffic. I look at the GPS and be like, yo, five minutes. It says 15. <laughs> you know, it happens on my wife's like, what, how long are you coming? I'm like, five. She's like, 15. <laughs> I, I don't know why I got this hope that like something's going to happen where I just, I'm too optimistic about my own capabilities. It's Amani. That's Amaniyu right there. Tilka Amaniyu. MashaAllah. For real, that's Amani. So the optimist, the pessimistic person is, is more realistic. Now there may be traffic. Yo, there may be an accident actually. No, we should leave a little early. You know what I'm saying? And then you get there on time. So the Prophet said, Man adilaj. The one who has fear leaves at night. And then he says, adilaj manzil. The one who leaves at night gets to the place, gets home, gets to whatever they're going to, because they left early. And then he said, Now listen. Then the Prophet said, Now think about this hadith. It's all one hadith. The Prophet then says, Ala inna ghali. He says, Listen up. Same hadith. Listen up. The silatullah. Like the, the merchandise of Allah, he a ghali. It's expensive. Ala inna Allah, he jannah. The sila of Allah, the merchandise of Allah that you're, you gotta purchase is jannah. Like, do you, there's a connection there. Man khafa adalaj, man adalaj al manzil. Then, right after the Prophet says, listen up. Ala inna Allah, ghali. The merchandise of Allah is expensive. You gotta save up. You gotta do, you gotta. It's not cheap. SubhanAllah. And then he said, what is that? He al Jannah. Fa'ulima. He says, he says, Fa'ulima. Anna raja wal khawf nafir. He says, raja and hope, raja and khawf, hope and fear are nafir. Huwa ma ikhtarana bihi al amal. It's always when it comes with action. If your fear stops you from action, you have too much. And if your hope stops you from action, you have too much. So, so hope and fear are only good for you in as much as action goes with them. 
The moment you have no action, it's either because you got too much hope or you got too much fear. So now he gives an example from the Quran. Listen to this example, it's beautiful. Um, in Surah Al-Mu'minun, verse number uh, 58 to 61, Indeed, those who min mushfiqun, who are fearful uh, of their Lord. Indeed, those who believe in the signs of their Lord. Those who don't commit shirk with Allah, they don't associate any partners with Allah. And those who give what they were given. And their hearts are fearful. That they got to go back to Allah. That they have to go back to their Lord. Those are the people going foremost in the righteous deeds. That is heavy if you think about everything we just studied. That verse said, those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who believe in the signs, those who don't commit shirk, those who give their wealth, whose hearts are fearful that they're going to Allah, those are the people, yusari'una fil khayrat. Yusari' means like they're, they're way in the front. They're like running. Right? They're running into khayrat. So, this, so he's just trying to show you how the Quran is connecting raja and khawf, hope and fear, with, with, with striving. That it must be there. So, subhanAllah, you know, Aisha radiallahu anha, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says that Aisha asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, The verse ends, They're in the front of the line. Again, the optimistic person is always in the front. He gets there first. He gets there first. So Aisha goes, سَأَلْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ سَلَّمَ هَذِي الْآيَةِ I asked the Prophet about these ayahs. فَقُلْتُ أَهُمَ الَّذِينَ يَشْرِبُونَ الْخَمَرِ وَيَزْنُونَ وَيَسْلِقُونَ Are these the people who drink khamar and do zina and وَيَسْلِقُونَ uh, and steal? Are these the people? قَالَ لَا يَا بَنَةَ السِّدِّيقِ He goes, no, بَنَةَ السِّدِّيقِ وَلَكِنْ هُمَ الَّذِينَ يَسُومُونَ وَيُسَلُّونَ وَيَتَصَدَّقُونَ وَيَخَافُونَ أَلَّا يَخْبِلَهُمْ مِنْهُمْ These are the people that know, they fast, they pray, they give sadaqah, but guess what? As they do it, they're scared that Allah might not accept it from them. So, أُولَٰئِكَ يُسَارِئُونَ فِي الْخَيْرَاتِ Those are the people that keep giving because they're like, yo, I didn't do enough yet. I didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. You're like, yo, you way ahead of the game. Like, no, no, I don't, I don't got enough yet. We're like, I'm good, yo. I'm good. That's that optimism. Right? The pessimist is the one who's like, no, I don't have enough yet. I need more. So, subhanAllah, so beautiful. He goes, and whoever, whoever contemplates over the state of the Sahaba. Last week I spoke about Sahaba because, uh, uh, what was the verse? Aminu kama amen and nas. Like, Sahaba are our litmus test for iman. Like we have no deen without the Sahaba, so we, we're told to study their lives and take ibrah from them. So, if you, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says, Man ta'ammala, Mafi shai. Mafi ta'ib, inshallah. I just swallowed my spit, inshallah. Man ta'ammala ahwala sa'ab. I'm just messing with you, bro. I love you for the sake of Allah, bro. I think so. Wallah, wallah. Alhamdulillah. Man ta'ammala ahwala sa'aba. Whoever contemplates the situation of the Sahaba, he says, the person who contemplates over the hal, the state of the Sahaba, will see that they were they had the furthest extent of action, but at the same time, the furthest extent of what? Amal. Uh, khawf. He, he sees, now he gives some examples. I'm, he gives a bunch, but I'm only going to give a few. Listen to this. Remember, as we read these, remember that your khawf should be a motivator. Up till now, everything I said is the, it's two sides of the same coin. Keep that in mind. So he gives an example. وَهَذَا عَلِي بْنَ أَبِي طَالِبْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ وَبُكَاؤُهُ وَخَوْفُهُ His crying and his fear. وَكَانَ يَشْتَدُّ خَوْفُهُ مِنَ اثْنَيْنِ His fear used to be very, very severe regarding two things. طُولُ الْأَمَلُ وَإِتِّبَاءُ الْحَوَى Like extended long hopes and اِتِّبَاءُ الْحَوَى 
and following desires. These are two things he was very scared of. The first one is extended long hopes. See, like, as a person's hopes become extended for a long, oh, I'm going to do this in 20 years, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, they lose sight of them now. They can lose sight of right now. So the Prophet ﷺ in many hadith warned of tulul amal. And tulul amal is to just, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. The Prophet ﷺ said, live today like you won't be alive tonight, and live tonight like you won't be alive in the morning. I'm going to say that again. The Prophet ﷺ taught us what? Tonight, live it like tonight's the last night. How would you, yo, 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 mom, so I ain't come. Just want to say I love you. What's wrong with you? You need some money? <laughs> no, I'm good. I just want to say I love you. All right, cool. Zakhokhev. 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 Right? Like, so the tool al-amal is, is, a, is a very important tool. It's a very important tool. Because it, it makes you act in the moment. It makes you act in the moment. If you don't have it, I'm saying. I'm sorry. So the other thing he says was that he feared Ali bin Abi Talib al-Ittiba'u al-Hawa. Hawa is just what you feel like doing. I feel like doing this, so I do it. I feel like doing that, so I do it. Following that. And guess what? If you, if you start following that, there's no end. Well, if I give one of those little ones right there, one cookie, it never ends. You never heard the story of giving muscle cookie? Yeah. Right? It's true. Like you give one, it's just one more, one more, one more. You just put the foot down, bam, it all stops. Same way with the nafs. If you start following one of those desires, it just brings the next desire, and the next desire, and the next, until you put that foot down. So Ali ibn Abi Talib, he had a hope about two things. So he says, He's like, I'm worried about tool al-amal, long extended hopes, because it makes me forget the akhirah. It may, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I forget the akhirah. Following desires will blind you from truth. Following desires, I, I just want to do it. I just want to do it. It blinds you from haq. He goes and explains more. And then he gives an example. We're going to go forward. just want to give the last examples. I'm skipping some examples because of time. I'm not going to read every one of the examples, but there's many examples he gives of the khawf of the sahaba. But here's one example. He says, Qala ibn Abi Mulaika. Ibn Abi Mulaika, he said, Adraktu thalathina min ashab nabi I met over 30 sahaba, companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fakulluhum yakhafu al-nifaq ala nafsihi. Every single one of them had a khawf of hypocrisy in themselves. Every single one of them was like, yo, I don't even know if I'm sincere, man. I don't even know if I'm really on this, man. Right? Subhanallah. Ma'a, he said, Ma minhum ahadin. None of them used to say, Ma minhum ahadin yakul, innahu ala iman Jibrail wa Mikail. None of them would say, Oh, I got faith like Jibrail or Mikail. And then he, he says, Wayafkuru anil Hassan. Hassan al Basri used to say, Ma khafahu illa mu'min, wala aminahu illa munafin. The mu'min is truly fearful. The hypocrite, he feels, I'm good, yo. I'm good, I'm good. All I'm trying to highlight here is the two sides of that coin. Remember that, okay, everyone? There's two sides of that coin. And when your fear has, it motivates you, that's the fear you need. Because it gets you going. It gets you there early. Before everybody else gets there late. And the last one, listen to this, that we'll go forward. Okay, so Hudayfa was the secret keeper of the Prophet The Prophet dropped some knowledge on Hudayfa that none of the other Sahaba had. And one of the knowledges that the Prophet dropped on Hudayfa was who were the Munafiqeen. Like, like, so Hudayfa knew. Like he told him, he's like, yo, him, 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 her, 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 her. <laughs> And Hudayfa knew it. It was in his heart. He knew it. But no one would dare ask him because if the Prophet like, told you to keep a secret, throw away the key. Right? So he would never reveal that list to anyone. But he knew. He knew. So Umar bin Khattab used to come to him and say, Anshaduka billah. I swear by Allah, you must tell me. Hal samani laka Rasulullah. Did the Prophet put my name on that list? 
Yo, brothers and sisters, who are we talking about? We're talking about Omar ibn Khattab. My man, Shaytan used to walk on the other side of the street. Right? The Prophet said, if there's a prophet after me, it's Omar. And, and he's like, am I on the list? Like, bro, nah, you ain't on the list. And, and uh, Hudayfa used to say, فَيَقُولُ He's like, no, but I ain't telling nobody else after you. Because it's going to be a line. Then one of Mashai, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi, he says, my teacher says, why did he say I'm not telling nobody else? Because it's going to be a line from here to like Mecca. Everybody in line, monolith, monolith, monolith. So he's like, no, I'm not saying nothing. So this is the end of section 12, uh, section 11, where Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi now just wants to remind us the importance of hope and what true hope is. Before we wrap up this section, I want to go over it again. What are the three signs of real hope? Number one, muhabba of the thing that you hope for. You love it, you want it, right? Number two, fear. When, when you have love for wanting it, necessity of that also is fear that I won't have it. Fear of losing it. And we talked about true fear. Fear like who? The way you fear your mom, upsetting her, right? And, and number three, you strive for that thing. You strive for that thing according to your capability. These are three signs of true hope. So if we have hope in Allah, true hope, that means we got love of Allah, we got fear that Allah's going to be upset with me, and we strive. These are three signs of true hope. Allah give us tawfiq. Sorry. Any questions before we go on to the next section? No questions? Yeah, yeah, please. When you mentioned that Rasulullah gave the secret keeper a list of all the extortionists, was it, yeah, um, was it literally the names of them or just a description? No, no, no. So the question is, uh, did the Prophet Sallallahu give him signs of the munafiq? Or did he tell the names? No. To the general public, he told signs. To Hudayfa, he gave a list of names. Like these are the people who are munafiq right now in this ummah. Because it was important because later problems can happen. Right? So Hudayf was able to spot the fitna causers and let, let us know what's really going on. So like literally, whenever Hudayf didn't go for a janazah, nobody else went. When someone would pass away, they'd be like, yo, you going? No, I ain't going. <laughs> you ain't going, I ain't going. For some reason you ain't going to. Right? So literally, like, they, they, they rolled with his information on that. And Umar bin Khattab knows he knows names. So he's scared. Now, munafiq means outside I show it, but inside it's not really there. But the point is, Sahaba really were scared that, yo, I'm not real, man. I'm not real. So that fear, you know how the best student in the class is always like, nah, I don't know my stuff? And you're like, man, quit playing. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The most, the most pukka, babit hafiz is like, man, I don't know my stuff. You're like, what? You just read the whole Quran without a mistake. Yeah, but I could know it better. Best jumper in the, in the game. Man, I'm off today. What you mean you off today? If you off, I'm too. What am I? The, but those who strive higher, they see that in themselves. Same way with Iman. They were like, nah, I'm not on it. I'm not on it. Ibn Abi Mulaika. Whoa, 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 no. Would say that again? You mentioned the name where these were coming from? Or did I misunderstand that? Um, <coughs> no, a name. Oh, no, Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi in this section, he just lists a bunch, a, a list of Sahaba and how they had this fear. They had hope and fear. And I often narrate the, the thing that Umar bin Khattab used to say that if it's announced on Yom al-Qiyamah that nobody's entering Jannah except me, I have hope I'm that one person. And if it's announced that nobody's entering into Jahannam except me, I got fear I'm that person too. That, that's an extreme level of, of balance of hope and fear. But it's Umar bin Khattab radiallahu anh. Khair, inshallah. So any other questions before we go to section 12? Because now section, yeah. Um, I wanted to, because every time I um, read about or I hear about um, the, the Sahaba's hope, um, whether they were hypocrites or monarchic, especially the Ashram Bhattah. 
the Prophet himself in a hadith, Sahih, told him, you know, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, I got you. You know what I'm saying? What I'm to say? Exactly, hundred like, percent. How, how do you reconcile the two? Because they're not thinking, oh, the Prophet might have made a mistake. No. So they used to say Umar bin Khattab on his deathbed, deathbed. He's on his deathbed and he's scared, and someone comes in and says exactly what you just said. And to this, kada, wa kada, wa kada, wa kada. Literally everything he just said. You were guaranteed Jannah. You were the, the Khalifa. You were this. You were that. And he said, Like, I don't know what, if the things I did after he left have nullified everything that I did when I was with him. You get what I'm saying? So he's like, I don't know if the actions I did after he left the world, he says, You know what that means? I hope I break even. No good deeds, no bad deeds. Like, we're like, yo, I'm good. I got extra good deeds. You need some? Like, no, that's how we thinking, right? Like, I'm good. Or Ben Khattab's like, I hope I break even, man. Because he's like, maybe I did something that just wiped that out. I don't know. But see, that hope is what keeps you going. That hope. But remember, remember that fear and hope. See, subhanAllah, whenever you talk about fear, remember this. You gotta also, it's the two sides of one coin. You need, they're both there. And whenever you stop acting because of too much fear, you've made a mistake. You've made a mistake. Now what do you do then? You start studying the, the ayahs of, of hope. You start reading those hadith that are like, yo, man yo, ahsan al-wudu, wa Whoever does a proper wudu, then goes somewhere and prays two rakats, just pure focus on Allah, walks away all of the sins taken away. You got to remind yourself of those hadith of hope. But when you find yourself slipping and I'm stuck in sin, you better flip the page. Flip the page and read about hellfire. Read about what the Prophet Sallallahu said. So that you're like, yo, that can be me. I'm not special. So you got, but you use it for yourself, right? And if you can't do it, you need a friend that can peep you like, yo, bro, what's going on? And then, and then give you that as you need it. Okay? Yes. Yeah, so the question is, uh, many times in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about, the question she's asking is a beautiful question. I'm going to reiterate the question in a minute. Uh, she's saying that the Quran speaks about No fear on them, nor will they agree. When it speaks about the good deeds and this and that. What you have to understand, the question is a very important question because the actual nature of the book that we're studying is about cause and effect. It's about what are the asbab of khair, what are the asbab of shar, what are the means of khair, what are the means of, of shar or evil. So, one of the effects, and I don't want to get ahead of us, but one of the effects of bad deeds is that feeling of constrainment and stress on your mind and heart. Like stress is an effect of sin many times. Now, لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون not only is talking about hereafter, but it's also an effect of good deeds. When you live that righteous life, you feel lighter. And that's an effect though. So when you feel that, you got to really check your deeds and see what's going on. Why? Where is that coming from? Now, I'm not saying like there, there aren't psychological issues at play there, but throughout the book, we're going to learn about the effect. I'll give you an example. Man a'arad an dhikri, fa'inna lahu ma'ishatan dhankan. Allah says, whoever turns away from my remembrance, fa'inna lahu, he will have ma'isha, a life you know dunk means tight, compressed, depressed, pushed in. Like the world's this small, I can't do nothing. The effect of turning away from Allah is that a feeling as the whole world has just come down on me. That's an effect. That's what the book is about. That's literally why I chose this book, because it's talking about the effects of those deeds. And I'll give you an example. Anytime the Prophet ﷺ taught, he always taught about expansion. Right? When the, when the Arabi came, and look how we can affect people. 
when the Arabi came and urinated in the masjid, al-bal, al-sa'il, al what, what, he has three things they call them. Al-Bad, Al-Sa'id. Uh, there's three things he's known for, this one Sahabi. It slips my mind. Qa'il. So this one person, excellent. He spoke in the prayer. And everybody's like, yo, what you doing? After they're like, Shh, be quiet. He didn't know. Al-Bad, he uh, urinated in the corner of the masjid. And I believe the other, Wallahu alam, is a sa'id. Where he asked some question out of, like, out of nowhere. Everyone's like, yo, dude. Now, listen to what happened. Everybody's reaction to him and how they were all harsh with him. You know what he said? The Prophet Sallallahu talked to him. You know, the mush is not for your name, just that. He got up. He's like, may Allah have mercy on me and Muhammad and nobody else. <laughs> like, and then, now listen, this is so, that's the effect we have on people. But look what the Prophet Sallallahu said. You dayaka, You've made like narrow that which is vast, like the rahmah of Allah is vast. But you just took it and put it on two people. But the reason why he was becoming so narrow-minded was because the people were so narrow-minded to him. So the effect of the narrow-mindedness of other people was it created a narrow-minded mentality within him, and the Prophet Sallallahu had to come and do expansion. Yo, chill out. Right? But anyways, the point being is that this whole book is about that cause and effect. And one of the effects of righteous deeds is the alleviation of stress. Alleviation of stress. Allah give us tawfiq. Allah give us tawfiq. Allah bi dhikri That peace of, of mind. Now they say the mind is the brain and the brain is the mind and whatever, 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 right? You can study that all you want. Right? But... For our understanding, there's a dualist approach. There's the mind and there's the soul. And that soul finds comfort. That soul finds comfort in the remembrance of God. And you can have soul health and you have body health. Two separate things. Khair, but that's what we're studying, right? Okay, so any other questions? Other questions? What time is that? Yeah, we're good. It's 47 minutes, right? We're good. It's just a little bit longer. Just a little bit more, inshallah ta'ala. Sayyid? Sayyid. Man, I'm so optimistic, yo. I got like 30 more pages here, like ready to go. He says, now, what you have to understand uh, before that. He says, He's like, let's go back to the topic. What is the topic? By talking about the dawa and the da, the sicknesses and the cures. And it's the marra of the dunya al abul akhira. That if they continue, then um thank you. That if they continue, um <laughs> saving myself later. It is the marat of Sada Dunyahu, Dunya al Abdul Akhiratahu. That if if how do we cure these diseases? Uh, and what are the cures for them? So now what does he say? So he's going back to the main topic again now. The thing that you must understand is that sins and disobedience of Allah it will harm you. There is a harmful effect of it. And it is necessary for you to understand that the the harm of it on your heart it's just like poison in your body. Listen closely to what he's saying. It's beautiful. You have to understand the sin is like poison on your body. The same effect. And in fact, you want to know this from a hadith. The Sallallahu said that if you look at haram, it's, it's an arrow from the quiver of shaitan that's poison on the tip of it. There's a hadith of the Sallallahu that looking at haram is like a poisoned arrow from shaitan. So like you pull the arrow out, cool. But guess what's left? Poison. So after you look away, poison still remains. Poison still remains. Now three days later, you're like, man, what's going on? You got poison in you, bro. I didn't know. I know, you come to class, I got you. <laughs> but you got to learn where the poison is. What isn't poison, what is? 
Now, whether you know, if, whether or not I know there's water in this cup or poison in this water or not, the poison will affect my body. I'm not going to get sinned for killing myself. If there's poison in this cup, right? Whether I know it or not, will the poison affect me? Yes. Of course. But the poison doesn't say, oh, like, wait, hold on, does he know I'm here? <laughs> the poison affects. Whether I know or not. Sins are the same exact way. Whether you know it or not, it still affects you. Oh, you don't get the sin. But the effect of the action is the effect of the way Allah created this dunya. Of means and of cause and, cause and effect. So knowledge of it is different. That's whether I get good deeds or not. That's different. The effect is what we're talking about. The depression, the stress, the, all of that stuff. That's the effect of the sin. So, yeah. so he says, so you have to understand. But every poison is not the same. Similarly, every sin is not the same. They have darajat. Some are very, very, very dangerous. Others have a level, lower level of toxicity. So then he says, We're almost done. He says, Is there any evil in this world except that the cause of it is dunub and ma'asi? The cause of it is sin and disobedience of Allah. Now look at this. He says, What's the thing that took your, for, your father and mother out of Jannah? The a place of eternal bliss and lezza and naim. Luxury and happiness. To this world of sorrows and pain. What's the cause of that? Right there should teach us something. The cause of that fall is disobedience. The cause of that fall from khair to this place of alam, pain and sorrows and struggle, was, it, was disobedience. فَمَنْ لَذِي أَخْرَجْ إِبْلِيسِ مِنْ مَلَكُوتِ السَّمَاءِ What's the thing that kicked Iblis out of his position as the leader of all the angels? وَطَرَدَهُ وَلَعَنَهُ And made him rejected and cursed. وَمَسَخَ ظَاهِرَهُ وَبَاطِنَهُ And, 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 and uh, فَجَعَلَ سُورَةُ أَقْبَحَ سُورَةُ So Iblis, before he was uh, Iblis, as a high-ranking uh, jinn. Like, Iblis is the name that changed. That wasn't his name before. His other name and his other form, he had the most beautiful of form. Wallahi, brothers and sisters, if you know someone that's living lives of sin, you see it on the face, bro. You know what I'm talking about. When you actually see people living that, it's clear on that. You're like, yo, what happened to you, yo? Like, man, you good? I, I don't know if you guys experienced it because I went through some other stuff. But I've seen people that were stuck in lives of sin. And you can see the effect all over their face. All over the face. Now, I'm not talking like some newer stuff, guys. Like, you see it. You, you see it. And then I roll back through the hood. They're like, yo, you shining, bro. <laughs> what you doing? What kind of lotion you using? I'm like, Salah, bro. <laughs> Salah, that's it, man. Serious. So, it's a, he, so Iblis was, had a beautiful form. But the moment he made that major disobedience to Allah, Masakha, he, he was transformed to Akbaha Surah, to this horrible form. And I, yo, that's, that's Mujarrab, that's witness, man. But in fact, his internal was even more wretched than his external form. He lost his qurb to Allah was exchanged with bu'ad. His closeness to Allah was exchanged with farness from Allah. His rahma that he had was replaced with la'na, mercy with curse. And jamal qubhan. And his beauty was changed to, to, to a wretched form. His jannah turned into a fire. He just goes on and on and on. He lost the clothes of libas, put on the clothes of kufr. SubhanAllah, that's heavy. He lost all value, weight, 
in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was light. He was nothing. He says, he says, after all of that worship and that position of authority, who are we talking about? Iblis. After that, this was the form he left in. He says, this is a dua he's making. Everyone say ameen after we read this dua. He says, We seek refuge with you, Allah, from going against your order and doing things that displease you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So then he goes on to a few of the nations. He says, what, what was the cause of the people of Noah to be drowned? What was the cause of the, the wind of Ad? What was the cause of the punishment of Omilut? What was the cause of this calm and this calm and this calm? And then he says, this one I'm going to read to you. He says, So if you know the biblical story of Nebuchadnezzar, I know Nebuchadnezzar, Right, so Bani Israel, a, a, a Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, خِلَالَ الدِّيَارِ That Bani Israel, Allah says, فَبَعَثْنَا إِبَادَ We sent against Bani Israel, إِبَادَ Our servants. Now if you read this, the history of that, it's talking about uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and his army that attacked Bani Israel and wiped them out. Right? Um, if my memory serves me correct, I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar. And... What's interesting is how in this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the effect of this, their disobedience was that Allah sent a nation against them. And the nation wasn't even Muslims. It wasn't even Muslims. So the effect of the disobedience was the, was the war that they ended up in. And, and the, that was the effect. Allah literally brings that up in Surah Bani Israel. Right on the first page of Bani Israel. So what, what the Imam is doing in this section, we're going to stop here. Uh, what the Imam is doing in this section though, he's explaining that the cause for all of the, these nations, Adam, Iblis, these nations, Noah, Ad, the cause of their the evil that afflicted them that were taught over and over is the actions. So what you have to do is reflect on yourself and realize that there are actions that you are doing that are the cause of that. Now, what Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi does at this point, um, he, he narrates a lot of hadith that talk about um, evil scholars. He, ta- he narrates a bunch of hadith that talk about evil scholars, and the reason he does that is because the role of people of knowledge of Quran and Sunnah is to remind the people of those things which cause harm. The role of people who have knowledge of the deen is to remind them of that and call people back because this thing is going to harm us. But what happens is that he narrates many ahadith in which people give that up. They don't do it anymore. And as people continue to go into sin, those scholars are just laying back, like whatever, as long as you pay me a good salary, I'm cool, y'all can do what y'all want. And he speaks about that explicitly. So I'll narrate one of those hadith. He says in Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala narrates Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam There will come at the end of time قومun, A group of people يَخْتَلُونَ الدُّنْيَا بِالدِّينَ They will mix their dunya and deen together يَلْبِسُونَ لِلنَّاسِ مُسُوكَ الدَّعْنِ They'll wear very humble clothes مِنَ الْلِينَ their tongues are sweeter than, than sugar. Meaning they, they can speak beautifully. They speak beautiful. Clothes are all nice and humble. Their hearts are like the hearts of coyotes or, or wolves. Outside is all good, beautiful, looks great. Inside, completely tore up inside. Allah will say to these people, you fooling people through me? You have that much audacity before me? I'm going to send on those people such a fitna that will leave the most forbearant of them completely confused. Why is he saying this, guys? Because the role of these people is to tell us the asbab of khair and the asbab of shab. But so long as they keep mixing dunya and deen, they're not going to do that because they need a paycheck. 
So they're not going to do that. They won't get as many likes if they start dropping the huck. They won't get as many shares if they start dropping the huck. So I'm going to stay off this topic for a minute. Let it chill. So, so he's, he's explicitly speaking about these people who their role is to reform the society and just remind the society, but then they, they don't do that role. They don't do it. So he brings a bunch of hadith. I'm not going to go into them, inshallah ta'ala. But that one hadith I just shared is, is enough for us to get the idea. Um, uh, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us, right? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide our scholars and our imams and our leaders, right? Um, and to give us husnadlam regarding them as well. Um, but we ask Allah to guide them, guide them, guide them, you know, and, and make them true ulama of khair, scholars of good, scholars of good, um, who guide us to the haq and themselves act upon that haq as well. Now, for us, we make the dua that we are able to recognize the pathways to evil and recognize the pathways to good and to then truly, truly, once we recognize that, as much as possible, stay on that pathway. Whether we aqalan understand it or not, we stay on that pathway because we know at the end, that pathway is going to be khair for us, that pathway is going to be good for us. So um, sometimes it gets lonely on that pathway. Sometimes you're the only one. You know what I'm saying you feel alone, the whole dunya, nobody's doing this, I'm the only one. But remember, what's the verse? You ain't alone. You got the prophets with you. You got the sadiqin. You got the shuhada. You got the sadiqin. You got all these people with you on the same path. Those are the best friends you need. Not these cats over here. This is who you need on the same path with you. So um, we'll pick up from chapter 12 next week, inshallah, uh, because now he begins to talk about uh, levels of sin. Now the author is going to be getting more explicit, okay? He's going to be getting into more direct sins, specific things. The effect of specific sins and how they affect. But next week what he's going to start off with, inshallah, is how we slowly end up progressing into sin. Right? We slowly end up into sin. You don't wake up one day and all of a sudden you're into this huge sin. Man, it was one click at a time, slowly, that you end up in that deep sin. Slowly, slowly, slowly. So he's going to talk about that next week, inshallah. Before we stop, <laughs> any questions? Yeah. Narration you brought about Iblis and how his form changed and everything. Yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know. This is just, I just got it from him. Great question. I don't know. Yes. Levels of sin, straight up. Levels of sin? It's going to be straight up. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be important to understand that. Obviously, all sins aren't the same. But there's gateways, like just like gateway drugs, right? There's gateway sins that lead you into others, and he's going to talk about that next week. If you ever miss one, don't forget this is a podcast too. But it's always one week behind. So don't expect to get the most recent one. You'll get two weeks ago. Thank you so much. You had your hand up, yes? Let's say you have um, uh, somebody has, is having trouble, it's coming to you, and you have to manage, you know. Uh, for example, like that chef that has the knowledge and then he knows like if you're having some stress right now, it's because of your sins, right? But whenever you come up that situation that everything is related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they just don't want to hear it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <coughs> so, so listen, the brother's asking a question. You got knowledge that this person is stuck in a sin and this is the source of that person's problem. But if you try to bring it up, they're not receptive. The key here is, is, is emotional intelligence. The key here, hashtag, emotional intelligence. All right, the key here is emotional intelligence. Why? Because it's important, and the Prophet always look for ways to open receptivity to the message. So, so you may be working on someone just waiting for that receptive moment. Because you know, if I say it now, it ain't gonna work. It's not gonna do anything. So you're holding back because you're actually strategically waiting to plant that seed and speak to the person. So the receptivity is something that you have to work to open up. And that is like, I don't have, I don't have a connection with every person, right? I know people that I just can't say nothing to because we're not that close. There's other people where I can just tell straight up, right? Other people, everyone has a different, you know, 
person that they're close with, whatever, right? So what we find in the Prophet Sallallahu dealings with people is he worked very hard to open receptivity. He worked very hard to open receptivity to the message so that the message was actually the most effective. Now, even with that, people didn't listen to the Prophet Sallallahu But he, he tried. Do you get what I mean by that? So don't think... That, oh, I do the best, of, it should open up. No, even with the high level of the emotional intelligence of the Prophet and opening up receptivity, even then, people still were like, I don't want to hear you. So imagine us. But he still struggled very hard to make sure people were receptive to what he was saying and it wasn't just falling on deaf ears. Okay, no questions. All right. We ask Allah to give us benefit from the knowledge that we learned. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to join us on the day of judgment. And in Jannah, the way we have gathered here today, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We ask you to forgive us of our sins, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We ask you to cover our shortcomings, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We ask you to cover us, Bisatrika al-Jameen, by your beautiful cover. Hide our sins, Ya Rabbil Alameen, and forgive them all, Ya Rabbil Alameen. We ask you to make us of those who are resurrected on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and you are happy with us, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Wa akhru da'wana, and alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.